This podcast is brought to you by Humble the Poet, also known as Conwar Singh, the author of a new book entitled Unlearn, 101 Simple Truths for a Better Life, where in Greg's interview with Humble the Poet, they discuss some of the many life lessons that Humble the Poet is teaching to his readers. His advice is sound, practical, and important to apply to your daily life. One of the things they discuss are the challenges we have when our expectations don't match the picture of what we believe should manifest in our lives. How to not get caught into the expectation, but learn from our desires and the pain and suffering this can create. There are 101 great short one to two page chapters in Unlearn, which are filled with wisdom, advice, and opportunities to learn and grow. Please listen to podcast number 716 as they discuss Conwar Singh's new book, Unlearn. You can learn more about Conwar Singh, also known as Humble the Poet, by visiting his website at www.humblethepoet.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Michelle, as I do every time I come on these, I know I sound like a broken record, but without the followers that we have on our show, there would be no Inside Personal Growth show. And today, joining me from Denver is Michelle Despreez. And Michelle has a new book out called Intuitively You, Evolve Your Life and Mend the World. Um, And Michelle is known as the Ethical Intuitive. Good day to you, Michelle. How are you? Oh, wonderful day. Thank you, Greg. Um, Great to be here and doing wonderful. Well, I appreciate having you. And I'm going to let my listeners know a tad bit about you because I always do with these. Michelle is a certified clairvoyant medium trained under the Berkeley Psychic Institute Program for Inner Development. She is the author of the books, The Clairvoyant Path, and most recently, the one we're going to be talking about, Intuitively You, Evolve Your Life and Mend the Word, Helping Others Discover Personal and Collective Fulfillment. She's also published the Intuitive Ethical Standards and Established Guidelines for Alternative Therapies. Um, She's a frequent speaker and motivational leader. She's been providing individual services and readings to a diversified group of clients for 15 years um, who treasure her insights, perspective, and deep nurturing and guidance. She's the founder of the Intuitive Practitioner Program, teaching students about mind, body, and soul integration, and how to hone these skills to build thriving businesses. Well, Michelle, it's a pleasure having you on the show with us. And, you know, you start this book off stating that in the first chapter, that intuition has kind of hit the mainstream of society. Um, And I would say that's true. You know, I wrote a book on intuition as well. And I recognize that, that in business, it's being used and touted more and more to help salespeople, to help people in business develop their businesses. What, in your estimation, has happened to the consciousness of our society in in your estimation where we're willing and open to engage in developing our intuition? You know, she opened this concept up to, you know, millions of women. And I think, you know, that started sort of this, it's okay, it's acceptable to have this nature, to look at these things like this. And I think those women then took it into their families and began sort of a bit of a revolution. You know, I want awareness. I want awareness. I know that's how my practice has been built, 
is with those women going, you know, tell me more about this. Help me understand what this means. And so I think the spiritual, you know, what we might think of as spiritual, which, you know, I really think of it more as a science than any belief particularly. But, you know, I think there was just a, a, a moment in time. I also think, you know, those of us in our industry also really understand cycles of time. And we know that time is right for change. And we're shifting or becoming higher thinking um, people. And so the time was really right for it as well. Yeah, it is definitely a time where we're seeing going from a Piscean age to Aquarian age and people are moving in this direction. And, you know, you tell your personal story about how you evolved into being in uh, this intuitive or in more intuitive being that your mother was not very kind to you and your sister was very, you know, she was kind of negative to you and your sister, but that you had this Indian squaw that talked to you and who watched over you. Can you briefly relay your story to our listeners? Because I thought it was fascinating. And I think you found this at a pretty young age, which a lot of people don't because they're just not in tune. Right. You know, I think interestingly, my family, because it was dysfunctional, it sent me inward. I didn't relate outwardly. I went inward and I went into my head and I went into my inner reality. And that's where, you know, when you're so innocent and young, you're not questioning what you necessarily are getting inwardly. And so there was a time and, you know, I remember this like, boy, like it was yesterday. I just you can close your eyes and go right back to it. But, you know, all the kids had been going off to school, and I was one of the younger kids in, in that neighborhood. And so when, you know, my sister left on the school bus, I went off to the park, and I played for hours and hours that day. And that day, there was an Indian squaw in clouds above me, and she was so well-defined. And, you know, down to her dress and her, you know, the leather in her dress, the fringe, her moccasins, even the turquoise on her shoes, her hair and face, the baby and a papoose on her back. It was so real. I mean, she was so defined. And I remember looking up at her and I'm swinging on the swing. And I remember looking up at her and I'm singing songs and I feel like she's singing with me and she's just giving me this comfort. And I felt like I was being watched over. And, you know, never knowing that that's not a, <laughs> that that's somehow strange, thinking that's just normal. Because I also had a relationship with an Indian, not that I ever saw, but that I knew whose spirit was in the mountain. And I grew up at the base of Table Mountain in Golden. And I could see this Indian in the mountain ranges through there. And um, I had a relationship with him, too. And I realized he would bring me things too, maybe a little more subtly, but she was so well-defined. And it really wasn't until I never told anybody about that. That was a story and a, an experience I had on my own, as well as many other experiences, like with reoccurring dreams and these types of things going on. And it really, because I didn't have that relationship with my family, I wasn't telling them what was going on. And I when I started going to school and particularly kind of coming more into teenage years, sharing those experiences with my peers and having my peers tell me that's odd, you know, you're weird. I remember a girl just stopping one day and looking at me and she said, that's, you're weird. <laughs> and that's when I started to shut it down Yeah. and put it aside. Yeah. And then I went, you know, most of my adulthood missing that component and it threw everything off. 
Yeah, you got into a point where you had uh, poor relationships and things were happening in your life. And I think, you know, when we do listen to our intuition, and and what I'd like to do is find out in your estimation, you know, intuition, you know, can come in little pieces and then you have to put the parts together. But where does it Mm -hmm. emanate from and how do we discern that it's our intuition and not our ego speaking with us are giving us these kind of feelings that we've got? What, what in your estimation, how do we discern um, intuition? Yeah, you know, it, it starts by just understanding how intuition works, just by understanding the four foundations in a sense. I always talk about these clairsenses, you know. You've got clair, clairvoyance, which is clairseeing, and clairaudience, clairhearing, clairsentience, um, clairfeeling, and claircognizance, clairknowing. And if you under, if you can hone into like practicing how those skills work for you, how does my inner vision give me an image? You know, what do I notice? How crisp and clear is it? Can I develop that? Same with like feeling, because when you have that basis, it makes it a lot easier then all of a sudden to discern what is your mind and what is your intuition. So you know that basis is something that is sort of necessary, I think, in that process. Otherwise, there's still a lot of guesswork going on. But I also think that intuition, um, you know, does it always need to make sense? Like, can you follow something and have it not really turn out right and have that still be your intuition and not have been your mind? And I think that can be because I think sometimes our intuition does lead us into things that maybe we don't want to have to experience but that we need. So, but it is a, it's a really subtle difference. Right. You know, and particularly, let's say we're trying to figure out, you know, is this the right meal for me tonight? Right. And you're just checking in with your whole total health. Right. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. Is this the right food for me tonight? You can also go in and, you know, maybe it's a salad, but maybe you really need that meat. But you just have that body image that says I'm I'm overweight, so I just need to eat healthy. That's where getting your intuition really well honed is critical because it's really hard to know that difference between what is your mind saying oh my mind is saying go with salad or no my my intuition saying go with salad you know but is that really your mind yeah it is is it your mind or is it your intuition you know that's really really interesting and you know you've created um in the book and i love the the way you've done the book but you have these seven aspects of understanding intuition. I know you talked about the cornerstones, but you also have these seven aspects of understanding it. Can you briefly explain to the listeners what those seven aspects are to understand our intuition? Yeah. So, you know, I came up with these understandings as a way to help my everyday clients get into these tools like quickly you know, so that they weren't afraid, but so that they could start using them. And so the first thing I think, you know, the first understanding I've always found that people need to understand is that we're all energy. It's just an energetic charge that really in some sense creates a reality. And so, you know, the first thing people need to understand is just how light and energy moves and that Well, you know, Einstein gave us that theory of relativity and that all things are energy before they're anything else. And now you understand that in science, you know, that um, we aren't really touching a table 
where it's just the molecules bumping up against one another that we feel that there's still a space in there. It's all just energy. So once we understand that everything is just energy, then we have to understand what moves energy. And so that's where um, our next understanding comes in, which is the idea that thought is what sparks reality. And I love to give a lot of science because there's a lot of great um, research and study out there these days on how that quantum metaphysic world operates. And we're learning so much. And one of the greatest things we've learned is how photons move. And so photons just build up light dense. They're, they're, they're light particles, basically. They're an element, one of the elemental particles of light. And photons are responsible for creating density, in a sense. When you get enough photons, um, you know, combining, coalescing together, you start to get form. But what we've understood now is also that photons don't move themselves. They need a charge to move them, and it's thought or intention that move the photon. All of a sudden, thought creates form. And so now it's our thoughts that start to build our reality. Yeah. So understanding how, yeah, all of those things work together. It's, it's fascinating like- because, you know, as you said, uh, Einstein said, we're just energy, right? And right. It, it is this energy that's moving through us. And whether it's subtle energy, and it usually is subtle energy, but it's it's trying to get in touch with that. And you tell a lot of stories in your book. Actually, almost every chapter has a story. You tell a story about your clients throughout the book. And one of them is about Britta and her selection in the, in the uh, part about Clara Sentience. Um, can you relay Britta's story? Because it's a great way for our listeners to learn about clairsentience, clairvoyance, clairaudience, and these kind of things. But in this particular, her, and then also we're going to do one about Zoe. Great. Yeah, two really great, great examples. So Britta, you know, Britta is so many of my, of the people I have come across, intuitives who are super sensitive, and I always really, um, correlate them to the empaths. They just feel everything. And one day, Britta's in a coffee shop, and she's in line, right? And she's just standing there, and she's really excited about her project. She's going to be um, getting to work on this new aspect within her career, and she's excited about getting to it. And as she's standing in line, all of a sudden, she notices her energy just drain. And all of a sudden, she's sad, she's depressed, she's not getting the energy to do her work. You know, she just does, it's like drudgery now all of a sudden. (laughs) And she had been going she just started her intuitive development, and she wasn't really necessarily sure, like, how, you know, intuition worked in her everyday life. She would come to class, and she would, you know, go through our exercises and things like that, but when she went out in the world, she never really thought about it again. But in that instance, she sits, she's standing there, and she realizes, wait a minute, what just happened? Why did I shift? And she thought to look inward. And as she started to look within her own energetic field, she sensed. She could feel energy in her space that was related to a young girl across the room who was with her mother and her mother's friends. And this girl was, you know, despondent. This girl was being a teenager, basically, didn't want to be there with her mother and her mother's friends and was unhappy and wanted to be anywhere other than where she was. And Britta realized she was picking up that girl's energy and and making it her own. And so in that moment, she was able to remove it. She was able to give herself a boundary to send it back and to reclaim her space. And then she was able to get right back into her project. 
It is definitely. All of these stories in the book are great. Now, that one in particular, um, you said it relates to a lot of your clients. And then you tell the story about Zoe and her breakup with her boyfriend over three years because of what she was sensing. Now, in this story, you illustrate how you help your clients get in touch with what you call the energetic command central. What's the energetic command central and how do we learn to access this, Michelle? Yeah, I think this is one of the most critical elements that we don't teach. You know, we teach that it is okay to get information outside of ourselves, but not information from within. And it's our command central that gives us that information from within or really universal wisdom. It taps us into universal wisdom. And so, you know, um, if anybody ever saw the movie or that Pixar animated film, Inside Out, did you see that film? I did not know. Is it a? It's a, it's a really ahead. great depiction of emotions and events and how you know the multiple personalities that each of us has, like multiple dynamics within us, and how each one is relevant. And so, and it's all done through the command central in the center of head. And so oh, so cool that's where you came up with command central was through the movie. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like this is Command Central right here. This is where you go in and you set the stage. But in Command Central, right, you go into the center of head and you design a room for yourself in there, a space for yourself in there. I say space really because, you know, my space is really literally probably out in the galaxies and it's not necessarily, doesn't have four walls. It's not necessarily defined like that. However, within that space is only me. There's nothing else or no one else in there, right? I mean, I have plants and I have living things, but I don't have pets. I don't have my children. I don't have guides. I don't have uh, my parents. It's, you know, that space is reserved strictly for me and for my own wisdom and knowledge. And within that command central, I also have what I have called a reading room where I can go in and I can view my own energy. And I have a system in there by which I can witness my own energy. And I'm not getting my information from anybody else other than my higher self or divine knowledge. And so, you know, looking from that perspective first, when you know what is intrinsically you and right for you, you can generally keep your balance out in the world. You'll know what is you and what is not you and what is right and what isn't right. But when we have you know, other energies in that command central that are not us, it causes disruptions and we forget who we are. And that's what how happens do we, to Zoe. How do we keep that clear though, Michelle, so that we know that it's, you know, command central, that it's a higher spirit that's speaking with it. So it's that intuition that is, it's uh, what, whatever we want to refer to it as, because it does require, you know, it's like fine tuning the radio when you're on the wrong channel, you get uh, literally a lot of fuzz and static. And you're really trying right. to get it very clear from Command Central. So how do you help people prepare to really dive deep into Command Central so they can hear that message strongly? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, there's tools for clearing out that space. One of the things I like to do when you go in there, I like to be grounded. I like to get myself grounded. And then I just go through that space. And I, in a sense, just empty it out. I clear all the energy down. I send it either down my grounding cord or I just send it out into the universe. I just dissipate it. And then I go in and I look and I kind of, and I'll feel. Like when I'm in that space, right, I'll, I'll, I'm, I usually have my eyes closed 
and I'm looking around in that space internally, or I'm also feeling anything, and I'll go, who might be here, either that I don't know is here, or, you know, who's just showing up as here, and I'll see if anybody isn't hanging out in my space. And when I see them, I'll say, oh, you know, it's, you know, wonderful that you want to check in with me, but I don't, this is my space, and I reserve this, the right for this to be just mine. And I say, I'll, I'll catch up with you later, or I'll do whatever we need to some other time, but not in this space, and I'll escort them out. But sometimes people don't want to leave. And so somebody is just like, adamant, no, I'm staying. I will open a trap door and I will just completely release them and let it go. Ah, so you're almost like opening up a space to clear the energy that's being, um, that's basically clouding everything. I get that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That other foreign influence. Yeah, and we do get those. I mean, it's just like trying to meditate and get rid of the monkey mind. It's the same thing. Now, you use a story about Libby, and it's an example of a client's very empathetic, and that would be me, and I really related to this. And you mentioned that the boundaries that empathetic people are very sensitive to people's feelings, that is me as well. But find it hard to set boundaries, that is me as well. How do you help people like me and Libby set boundaries so we can function without the mental stressors that are caused by wow. being an empathetic person. Boy, it's so true. Okay, so there's a couple of steps, right? First of all is this concept of boundaries and really getting good at, so once you have your command central, right, you can also go in there and you can recognize, you know, are any of my friends, my clients, my the grocery store clerk whose issue I took on today. <laughs> you can go in there and clear all of that out. And then you want to just energetically put a bubble around yourself. So remember, it's all just energy, right? And, and thought moves that intention field. If you get a vision in your head of a boundary, let's say, of um, really big roses. And I think, you know, one of the reasons roses are so good is that they still recognize the beauty. Beauty in you, beauty in another, but they have thorns. And people don't just readily come in and grab those. They're going to think twice, and you're going to be able to really let them know, don't just take advantage of me. I'll let you know what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Of course, if that's not strong enough, you can start to divine or design other energy bubbles. Sometimes when I am dealing with really difficult people, I'll put myself inside a crystal. Sometimes, it's a, um, sometimes I use diamond because it's so hard, but it's still very clear, and I can see, and that's one of those um, stones for me that works really nicely for holding a really strong boundary. So you just have to get good at playing with it and seeing. But then you also, so you do your energy work, but then you really have to show up in a different representation outwardly. You have to be in alignment with the energy work you just did. So you have to learn one of, one of the first things I always teach intuitives is how not to heal others how to just take your hands off and allow them their experience without the need to rescue or the feelings of, oh, it's, I should, I should help, I need to. It's my responsibility somehow. We get really good at learning um, when to say no. Well, that's an important one. I mean, I think that you're empowering people to actually do this through uh, the processes that you send them through. And you mentioned that when you intuitively explore your life's dynamics, you may not always like what you see about either yourself or your situation. So you state to explore what you call neutrality and amusement 
if you can, can you explain to the listeners, how do they, what are these eight steps of this neutrality and amusement? I thought that was fascinating as well. Yeah, you know, I think neutrality and amusement are probably the best tools I ever learned. I learned this through the Berkeley Psychic Program. So, you know, a lot of what that book is, is my 15 years of teaching and how I've adapted what I learned to reach everyday people. But neutrality and amusement has been a staple, like a complete staple. And, you know, neutrality, we we have this governing energy body, right, that is our seventh chakra, really holds us at a higher intention, really, you know, pulls our energy upward. We can set our crown or our what I always see as a halo which is the seventh chakra, we can set that crown to an energy of neutrality and then an energy of amusement. And what that gives us, particularly when we are looking at, um, you know, witnessing ourselves, witnessing our dynamics with other people, like you're saying, it can be hard to see what we might see. We might not want to take accountability for what exactly is our part in things. But when we hold ourselves at neutrality, it automatically raises us out of judgment, brings us into neutrality. And so we are staying out of judgment, even with things that we don't necessarily like. Because, and I'll tell you something, in my work, right, I see dynamics within people all the time that maybe I don't agree with. Maybe aren't my ways of living, right? Um, you know, I'm always thinking of, you know, see, you know, people that cheat, like adultery, right? That's one of those things in our culture. We just go, no, 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 you know, that's terrible, that's awful, well, I have come to understand there's higher reasons for those things now. And so I don't judge them because I've been able to hold myself at neutrality to witness another person's experience and see why it was necessary. So neutrality just brings us into that non-judgment. But then when you couple that with amusement, so amusement is always an uplifting energy, right? It's always meant to bring us up yet again. But it allows us to find that beauty in any design. It allows us to get in there and go, well, okay, wait a minute. What's the reason? There must be a purpose. What is it? And amusement allows us to find it. I think it's playful. I mean, amusement to me is playful and neutrality is non-attachment. And that's a Buddhist concept. But basically, you're basically saying, hey, I'm not getting attached to the fact that – you know, you committed adultery. It's that's your thing, right? And the reality is, is right. that maybe you could look at this in a different way. Um, look at it from a very playful element. Where again, both of those two words looked strange to me when I saw them on paper. One was neutral, the other was amusement. But now, the way you've explained it, I really get it. Um, and it is really a good way to look at things. Now, you state that exploring one's physical health is one of your favorite applications to using one's intuition. Um, And I would agree because, you know, look, we always call it the gut feeling or the heart feeling Mm -hmm. or whatever we're getting. Can you explain to the listeners the best way to get in touch with their intuition to explore their physical health? Because some people just seem to not be able to do that. They don't even hear what their body is telling them. No. So, you know, there's a couple of reasons for those things, right? Number one, they probably have a lot of other people in their command central. So they ought to, you know, that's one of the first things, get that cleared out. But I think that for me, how I have learned how to listen to my body, because I couldn't always listen to my body either. And, but I am not the typical empath. I am a clairaudient. I get my information more from hearing than from feeling. 
And I've always said, God, it's so much easier. I feel for you. I feel for the empaths <laughs> because it's so hard. Except that is the skill that is critical for listening to your body <laughs> when you can feel what your body is telling you. So you've actually got to go into that clairsentient skill, I think, more than any of the others. And you really have to feel. And so the way I like to do that is I sort of just like start testing it out. You know, it's all about how does it work for me because it's individual for everyone. So, you know, if I'm at the grocery store and I'm really, I really work on um, digestion, right? For me, digestion has always been one of those things. I have a hard time digesting my experiences at times, or I have. And so it was always stomach. So when I would go, you know, and when I would eat, things would always upset my stomach. So it was, you know, is this emotional? Is this mental? Is it physical? Well, there's always a physical component. Um, but as I'm looking, right, and I'm, I'm at the grocery store, and I'm going, what is it that I want to eat tonight? And I let my stomach be my guide. I go into my feeling sense, and I go, okay. And I walk over to the chicken, right? And I go, hmm, maybe. And I walk over to the kale, right? And it's like, mm-mm. Even though kale's really good for us, my, it doesn't work for me for some reason. It always upsets my stomach. So, you know, learning that, even though there was times when I was like, oh, I want the kale, <laughs> you know, because I thought I needed it. And now I've just figured out, okay, well, there's other ways for me to get that because somehow my system just doesn't necessarily like that. But, right. And I and I do agree with you on that. I mean, it's like there are comfort, that's why people call them comfort foods, right? They, they understand right. the comfort in them. Um, and certain right. foods, like you just said, kale, sometimes it just, hey, it doesn't sit right. And I was always very sensitive that way as well. But to get into your physical health and really understand and ask questions of your intuition is really just going to the grocery store and asking the questions just in itself is a huge realization because I think people go to the grocery store blindly and just start picking stuff out and putting it in their basket. Right. It's like, is this in alignment with my, with what I really say I want as my health? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> well, I think using your intuition to explore your physical health is really a key point. Now we're going to wrap the interview up. You tell a great story about Veronica as it relates to remembering your soul's story. You state that witnessing your past lives is one of, one of the best ways to discover the nature of your patterns. And I couldn't agree more because it's there. It's right in front of you if you take the time to do it and you get in touch. How do we witness our past lives? What is, what is the uh, direction or what would you tell our listeners about? Great. Yeah. You know, it is one of my favorite things and it can, it can be tricky sometimes. And so I like to, like I talk about the idea of passive versus versus active meditation. I kind of see passive meditation as being still and quiet and active meditation as being explorative and going in and doing something, right? Being active with the process. And so I think of past, like discovering past lives as being more active in that process. So I like to, you know, get comfortable, I'll lay down, I'll close my eyes and, you know, I'll ask to just, I sort of, um, I go into my command central and I go into my reading room that space I hold for that. And I always use, and that space for me is a huge movie theater, right? So I go in there and I kind of get my popcorn and I get my, my, my drink and I lean back and I start to just allow a movie to unfold, basically. And it generally just starts out as a landscape, you know, and then I'll just watch and see what the landscape might say to me. But I'm also really, really intent on being a detective when I'm in that space. 
So I'm not just going, oh, look, it's rolling hills. I'm going, hmm, is it day or night? Is it winter? Is it summer? Um, you know, what region does this feel like? I'm just constantly asking a question. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? And as I'm asking, it starts to unfold, and all of a sudden the image can unfold. And I might, you know, I'll, I'll see a town or I'll see people, and I might zero in on the people. And I'll go and I'll say, you know, is any of these people me? You know, and I might find somebody that feels like me, whether that's feminine or masculine. And then I'll just pay attention to what am I doing? What does my life look like? And I watch the scene unfold. And I just, and I'm really neutral. Like I said earlier, always neutral. So I'm neutral to what I'm seeing and just allowing it to unfold, just like a movie, right? I don't know how it's going to end. I'm waiting to see. And so as I watch that movie unfold, I actually learn the purpose and what I was, you know, growing from or evolving from in that lifetime and why I needed the circumstances I needed as I'm sort of unfolding the story. But I'll say sometimes that can take me, you know, three months to unfold my own story. Now I do this for my clients, right? And I can do it in a 10 minute span, but when I do it for myself, it can take some time. Yeah. It, it, like I said, in the beginning of this interview, you know, Intuition isn't just a big download all at once. People, in my estimation, it comes in pieces and you have to be able to put it together. Yeah. Um, it's like right. a jigsaw puzzle at times. It's not just really clear, oh, well, I had this huge insight. No, it's a, I had yeah. little teeny insights you know over time, which added up. And then I was able to actually create something out of it that became um, understandable, right? Right. And I think that, you know, as I'm doing that, like I'll spend a day doing that and then I'll come out and as I'm about in my everyday life, I'm letting that picture validate itself to me. I'm not really taking it as some sort of like, oh, yes, I saw it. It must be. And some, I'm always a, a skeptic, first of all. But I look out in the world and I go, OK, so I saw that I had a Native American guide. Can somebody validate that? If that's true, let me know it. And then if I'm, you know, wherever I go. If I'm turning on the TV, it's all about Native Americans or, you know, whatever it might be. I'm allowing that to validate what I got. And then I go back and revisit more of it. Yeah, makes sense because you're basically getting other signs and symbols. And I think those signs and symbols are coming up for you as a result of it. I know that for years I've been seeing one, 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 you know, it's just everywhere. Right. And so when you listen right. to that, you've got to understand, but you got to want to explore what that means or you know, you see a, a, a sign on the freeway or the side of the road, or you see something and it relates to some other intuitive thought that you've had. And there is no coincidence about yeah. that. That's, um, that is the universe speaking with you about that's how, it works. <laughs> that's how, yeah. And that's how you get in touch with all this. Well, you have yeah. a fascinating book, Michelle. And I think for all my listeners, Thanks. go out to Amazon. We're going to put a link and actually go to Michelle's website, which is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Despres, D-E-S-P-R-E-S.com. You'll learn more about Michelle. Um, she is the ethical intuitive, her books, her services. You can book appointments there. She's got classes. There's a bunch of very um, inexpensive classes she runs. I was looking at as well. So again, go, we'll have a link in our blog to that. It's Michelle Despres, And she is really, really, she's been doing this for a long time, folks. And I think the fact that somebody could hang out doing work on intuition and actually make a living at this and keep doing it for this long speaks highly of the quality of the work just in of itself, because a lot of people don't make it 15 years doing it. 
thank you. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just that, but I, I can sense from you, just speaking with you, that you're very into, uh, in touch. And for my listeners, you know, just go up there, look at her services. Um, the reality is you can do uh, as an intake for a new client. You'll see that $110. Intuitive therapy for returning clients, 85 medium sessions, and then group events um, where she holds those group events. So anything else you want to let our listeners know before we conclude this podcast? Oh, boy, just, you know, keep at it because this is what's ultimately going to fix the world. It's higher thinking. It's a higher perspective. The more we can be that and impart what we know to others, we will get it taken care of. Well, you're absolutely right because the world now is ready for this and you're somebody who's helping it bring not only to individuals but businesses as well. And I think it's a it's a great opportunity for business uh, people to read Michelle's book as well. So uh, go in, take a course, contact her. Um, we'll put also uh, information about how to contact her on our blog entry as well. Michelle, pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and spending a few minutes with our listeners talking about your new book, Intuitively You, Evolve Your Life and Mend the World. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Greg. It's been my pleasure as well. This podcast is brought to you by Rick Snyder, the author of a new book entitled Decisive Intuition. Use your gut instincts to make smart business decisions. Please listen to podcast number 716, where Rick and Greg discuss the benefits of developing your intuition to help you in making better decisions. Rick's book presents three foundational principles that are changing the landscape of business and our human potential. That intuition is connected to a deeper intelligence. That intuition can be learned and that applying intuition to business along with critical thinking skills can create a distinct advantage. Please listen to podcast number 716 to learn more about the power of your intuition and the obstacles that prevent you from accessing your intuition. If you want to learn more about Rick's book, please go to www.invisible-edgellc.com backslash book. We hope you enjoy this interview with Rick Snyder about his new book, Decisive Intuition. And as always, thank you for listening.